Welcome to the Siege Mentality Podcast, episode 22. Somehow still not canceled. It is great to have you all back here. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review. Do all those beautiful things on iTunes, Spotify. We really do appreciate it. So we've, we've kind of done the uh, around the world in sports lately. We've done NBA, we've done NFL, we've Russell Clay, we did PGA, my buddy Jeff. So that means it's baseball time. And uh, <laughs> this was an easy call. There was really only one call to make. And that, of course, is Vlad Settler. You can follow him on Twitter, at RotoGut. He works for Fantasy Guru and Elite Fantasy with me. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I mean, I could just list off 100 stats, and we could just do a pod of listing Vlad's stats. But basically, he's the GOAT at the NFBC format. I think he's number one all-time in 12-teamers. Is that what I saw on Twitter the other day, number one? Uh, so I guess it depends the way that you, uh, the way you look at it, it, it would be basically anybody with like, you know, a- anyone that's done 18 or more teams over that time span. If you, if you bring it down a little bit and you go down to like nine teams, then you'll be, you'll have someone else with a higher win rate. But other than that in volume, I guess you could say it's me. Oh, that, that's just insane. Ridiculously considered the stats. He's also the fab whisperer. It's always nice to you know, I, I try not to abuse him, but like once in a blue moon, I'm just like, I have no clue where the guy's going to go. I'm like, hey, Vlad, give me a ballpark for this guy, please. I have no clue. <laughs> and he's always right every time. Um, so, uh, Vlad, welcome on to the show, buddy. Appreciate you taking out some time on your weekend to do it. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. And it's good timing with uh, pitchers and catchers reporting and injury news starting to hit and ADP helium kind of flowing all over the place. So uh, really honored to be on. It, I, I gotta be honest. I was like, you know, I've got the tag team tomorrow, so let me just pick Vlad's brain for an hour heading into the tag team, which is you're not in it, right? You're like the only guy who's like not in the tag team, right? No, man. I, I've the, the problem is there are just like a million different types of leagues that that, that spur up, and, and it's really tempting to to join every single one of them. But uh, I'm not in the tag team, but I am tag teaming uh, the uh, the Masato 2500 DCs. So we're doing those. I think they'll start in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, I saw he put those up. And I was like, man, I was looking at those leagues and I was just like, whew, murderers yeah. row. Uh, kind of like some of these offenses this year that have kind of gotten stacked. Uh, so let's just first talk about I just mentioned what the uh, you know NFBC as if everyone here knows what the NFBC is. Let's just talk about that real quickly. Like, what is the NFBC and why is it kind of like the holy grail of season long baseball? I mean, it is for the most part because the, the game is really perfect and, and set up with uh, the national uh, component to it. So basically there are you know 12 team contests, 15 team contests, and uh, the, the national component to it is that you've got all these leagues, like you know say 30 leagues in the 12 teamer, uh, not only can you win prizes within your league, but you also are put into the pool of overall. So there's the competition within your league, but then extra prize money in, in, in these cases, six figure prizes that are, that are really pretty. Uh, and then what it really comes down to is it's a, it's a fantastically well-run organization. And it was created by, uh, by Greg, Greg Ambrosius, who's a, a, a FSGA uh, hall of famer and, and just a you know, guy that's been around in the industry since, uh, since the early nineties. Um, and, you know, obviously with Tom Kesnick there and Derek Bukar, uh, at least I think that's how I pronounce pronounce his name. Hopefully, I didn't b- butcher it, <laughs> Bukar it. Um, 
it's just a really well run organization and uh, it feels very homey, right? Because we go to these events live in, in Vegas and in New York, and we get a chance to uh, essentially fraternize with uh, the guys and gals that are that are playing in this. And so, you know, we're driving drafting live against these people in Vegas, uh, in New York, and, and it's just a lot of fun, right? I mean, we're competitive against each other, but then everyone's friendly. I know you started attending these events, I think, two years ago. And my guess is, you know, you know, outside of this pandemic, I'm guessing you probably will never miss one, right, for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I think I'm not gonna make it this year. I haven't finalized my I haven't finalized my mains just because of that. I'm still kind of on the fence. Kind of just kept hoping I'd get vaccinated between now and then, right? I was kind of, kind of like, oh, hopefully, yeah. like I'll pop up. Being a fat guy's never had so much more benefits in its life. Uh, it's my running joke at the moment, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if it doesn't happen, I'm probably going to have to skip out one more year. But after that, no chance. Like, if I'm almost, if I'm almost willing to go during a pandemic, it shows you how awesome these, these events are. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely missed it last year. And I, this year it's going to hurt a little bit more. But uh, then the countdown begins to 2022, and there will be three years of uh, pent-up excitement. So I'm sure it will be a blast. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know what else is great about it? I mean, besides the live events, and obviously the price points of these are – Sometimes uh, you know on the higher end, and if you're not uh, really, um, I guess, into you know super into fantasy baseball, it is tough to to plunk down you know four figures for you know for entries, and so that's why they've got a lot of other sort of more affordable options. They have the fifties game, which are um, you know basically you know fifty bucks for your league and and no free agent bidding over the course of the season, and then they have all sorts of best balls and and things where you know the attention span of people and and the amount of time that you want to put in something is um you know you're, you're really kind of spread thin and especially now you've got you know uh, dfs over the last decade now we've got like top shots and everybody's a crypto pro and so like you know family all these distractions it's it's hard to be there doing your free agent bidding every week and spending that time on it so that's why the best ball leagues are really helpful for for people that that uh, you know don't want to be managing their team around the clock yeah my favorite still the cut line maybe i'm just biased because that's been my best overall finish took 13th overall last year in the cut line Basically, it's a best ball format, but you get two waiver periods the entire season. So you get a little bit deeper rosters. They automatically set your lineups, but you get two waiver periods to just get rid of those guys who gets hurt. Like, there's nothing worse than having a great team and having guys just get hurt on the back end of your roster and you just can't replace them. So it's definitely my favorite. It's a modified best ball. It's my favorite format. I think this year I'm really going to try to get that overall win. Like, I think that's kind of my plan. I've done nine I'm probably going to buy another nine pack before it's all said and done, go 18 deep and uh, see if I can make a little bit of a run. Cause last year 13th overall was nice, but I got literally one inning pitched from my second and third pitchers. I drafted in the top 12 rounds. That was really depressing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's rough. Uh, yeah. I saw you up there uh, in, in the standings and um, actually I, I did a cut line uh, you know, yesterday, basically the day before we're, we're recording here. Uh, so it was my second one. And, and this is kind of a good season for them, at least for me, uh, kind of the end of February, because uh, you, you know, you're drafting teams where you don't have to spend a lot of time managing in season. And I don't want to draft too many more of, uh, of the 12 team online championships because, you know, you can only manage so much with fab. Uh, and before you know it, I'll end up having 10 of those. You know, I really only want to draft five. So cut lines are kind of the perfect ones to to kind of, you know, just wet the whistle a little bit uh, and, and you know, get that feel for drafting. But you know what I did for the first time in the cut lines is I studied, I had never done this before. I went and looked at the last three years of historical data of the top teams um, and to see kind of like, you know, what they're doing and what the, if there is some sort of magic formula. And the first thing I recognize is there is no 
real magic formula because, you know, some of these teams that have won the overall or were close, some have a bunch of closers, some have no closers, others went hitting early, others pitching early. So it's really just about kind of that perfect storm of getting all the right players and just everything sort of, you know, hitting all together. Yeah, the one thing I found, and I, I, I do think this one translates, is playing time for your hitters is so important in the cut line. Like, I, I just platoon guys I just never take. I just want guys that I know are going to play. So my first year playing them was three years ago, and I had Matt Duffy everywhere uh, of Tampa because I knew he was locked into a job. And it was like the last round, like pick 400. And to get a starter that played like 130 games – in the 41st round just has mm-hmm. so much value um it, and that's the nice part about the cut line adp too is it takes a little bit while to adjust there's some values there um like tyro o'neill's going like 390 or something like it's insanely late for a guy who's going to start in left field for the cardinals so like if you can find those values of guys who are going to start it really just makes your life a lot easier you know you can deal with an injury a little bit more instead of like having this guy who's going to have 12 at bats you got a guy who's going to get you 20 at bats and Raw points. It's it's really nice format. They did a fantastic job setting. I think it was Todd Zola back in the day that set it up, and it's really good. It basically mi- mimics five by five, but or uh, KJ Duke, I think, was the one who is it KJ Duke? Okay, yeah, it was either I, Todd, I was Todd's one. involved always in, in those type of things, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, definitely different formats, and that definitely matters for certain type of players. We'll talk about some today that um, definitely do have some different value depending on format. Uh, but check it out, uh, nfbc.com. Uh, um, I'm going to be drafting a bunch of cut lines, probably like end of the month, early March. Uh, going to just grind through nine more of them. And uh, I say nine, it could be 12, it could be 15. <laughs> I say nine, like nine's probably like the floor. And it'll yeah. probably go up from there. Um, so if you guys aren't members of Fantasy Guru Baseball, first of all, you're doing it wrong. Go, you just go do it now. What is it like? Thirty nine ninety nine, forty nine ninety nine. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's under forty bucks. Thirty nine. Yeah, it's just just do it. If you're gonna play like even like two or three leagues, I promise you it's worth it. Um, first year I was playing Vlad gave me VDP, and uh, it's honestly VDP is probably worth the price of admission like times three. But uh, it, it's <laughs> it's amazing. I, I it's nice. Um, he also wrote this Mona Lisa on outfielders. When did, when did that come out? Uh, Thursday. Yes. Friday? Yeah. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, and I encourage you to check it out. I read it last night. So a lot of these players we're just going to happen to be talking about today are outfielders just because they're on the top of my mind. Um, and so let's just get, go ahead and get started with the first topic. And uh, so it, we actually were talking about this one pre-show, um, and uh, it's a decision that uh, in the tag team I was mentioning earlier, uh, I, I have to do – I'm in the tag team with uh, Greg Blakenship, and it's basically every team has a co-owner, um, which is going to be intriguing for the entire season. But – we got stuck with uh, the second pick in KDS, and so we are debating in Soto versus uh, Okuna. KDS, of course, is Kentucky Derby style. So, like, if you've ever watched a Kentucky Derby draw, you know what this is. But they draw your name out of the hat, and you get to pick any of the available open spots that are left. So if you get drawn out first, you can pick whatever spot you like. Um, so we, we got drawn second. And we have a Soto versus Acuna debate. Um Earlier in the offseason, I was pretty anti-Soto. Um, I've come around a little bit lately in the fact that I think the stolen bases are for real. There's been some very per, uh, quotes that are indicating that he's going to run. Um, first of all, should I have ever, ever been put in this spot, right? Like, sec, why are we choosing between two players that are basically identical, right? Like, shouldn't you try to avoid this in KDS? Yeah, I mean, so... 
over the years and, and a lot of times, you know, people playing playing fantasy, um, you know, back in the day, I think there's a there's a misconception that having uh, the first pick over the overall is such an amazing thing. And I think that came from football in, in the 90s when uh, it was, you know, Ladanian Tomlinson or Sean Alexander or Priest Holmes were like 100 points more than, you know, the next guy. So having the first pick as opposed to like the 11th was a huge, huge advantage in leagues. Um, in, in baseball these days, I mean, yes, having Tatis, Acuna, or Soto, or even Mookie Betts is absolutely fantastic. But there's a trade-off with, you know, especially in deeper leagues, if you're in a 15-team league, about a trade-off with what's available in your second and third round picks. Because what happens is, you know, when you're picking first or second, second like you guys are, that means your next pick is all the way at 29. As opposed to, you know, somebody with a pick seven gets, you know, pick like 22 or whatever it is. Like there's a certain cutoff at a certain point. And, and the guys that are available at 29, 30, they kind of they kind of start to blend similarly. And, and they're not as as valuable as like, you know, the guys going in the teens are like, you know, Freddie Freeman and, and Francisco Lindor. Like, you know, these uh, Bellinger, these stud guys at where you're picking at the end of the second round, uh, you know, you're looking at like. Kershaw and Flaherty and uh, Brandon Woodruff like this is you know these are great fantastic pitchers but uh, you know I don't know there's something about it kind of feels wrong like remember last year Jack Flaherty was like a a, a slam dunk second round pick for a don't lot look of people at me. I, I, <laughs> not you. you I was like no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what I'm saying like sometimes there's that feeling of just something feels wrong about this happening and as we know in the NFBC pitching gets pushed up like crazy. And especially as we get towards Vegas and, and New York, like, you know, it's a free for all. It's a wild, wild west, you know, ADP is thrown out the window, people draft who they want, and you may not be left. You may just be left holding the bag. And, and a lot of times if, I don't know, you're, you know what I mean? It's just, there, there's just so much going on. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, uh, we're just cheering for pitching. Like let's go pitching. Let's get that nice pitching run in the second round before us. Leave us some bats. If we have to go bat, 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 so be it. That's kind of how Greg and I work. Uh, that's why I think this is going to work out pretty well. Like I, I'm just not an early pitching guy in the NFBC. I did it actually in a cut line we were in. I, I went pocket aces because they just kept falling. And I was like, well, I guess uh-huh. I'm taking DeGrom and Bieber in this cut line. I've never done this before. We'll see how it goes. I remember you looked at me like I posted the board and someone was like, is CJ alive? He took two aces. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that's a good thing. Like, you know, like I was remember I was drafting a cut line that I showed you the other day and you saw a couple of guys on my team that I, I'm usually not drafting, at least that I haven't come around on guys like, you know, actually a first round Bieber. I'm not too ecstatic about Randy Arizarena, kind of the small sample from from last year. And, you, you know, you're looking at me like, you know, what, what's going on with this team here? But hey. I'm drafting a bunch of cut lines, you know, it's okay to hedge a little bit. It's okay to kind of, you know, you, you don't want to be all in completely on, on, on guys because, you know, God forbid something happens, they get hurt and and you're screwed basically. Yeah. Definitely early on. You want some diversity later on. There's definitely guys that like, if I end up on every team, we'll just end up on every team. It's mm-hmm. nice. I don't think we're scoped for any leagues together. Cause uh, there's one topic that I, I I've looked at your outfielder rankings and I was nodding my head a lot. Like, yeah. This guy's going about like 40 picks too low. Yeah. Um, completely agree with you on a few of these. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start with the one that I thought was the complete like, whoa, moment. And that was Aaron Judge. Um, actually, I should have pulled up your article. But um, like you had him way above VDP. You had him way above um, guys. What What is it about Aaron Judge that you're just believing this season? 
So he's actually somebody that up until last year, um, I and obviously, you know, it, it was really a lost year for him altogether, um, that I was never really in on before. Um, but I'm, I've really come around to him. And and really, I I don't know. He just is a, a masher. Obviously, he hit those, what, like, how many homers did he hit in the, in, in his monster year? Like, like almost 50? Yeah. Uh, it was obscene, like 58. Uh, he didn't get the 60. I remember that. He got he, I mean, to 52. Yeah, 52. So, like, so, so he's a beast. That that season is kind of, you know, waiting in the wings. But there is a there's a trade off with the risk of somebody that like that who is, you know, has dealt with so many injuries over the years. You know, we've seen it with Stanton. There's a reason why Giancarlo Stanton is no longer a second or third round pick. He's a he's a tenth round pick. It's because you know people just don't want to take the risk on somebody that is going to sit on your bench or have you know minor injuries all year what is good at least this year for those big you know gigantic dudes is they have changed their approach to the the off season with their conditioning entirely so you know as you know they're already like you know sort of big bulky dudes big muscles and that isn't really necessarily conducive for uh for 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 baseball because you know you can you can uh break down very easily you know one little ding or you know a little bicep uh hurting starts you know turns into a tear all of a sudden you're out for like a few months and and so these guys are trying to sort of, I guess, stretch out those muscles, get leaner, uh, judges getting into some yoga. And I know that's kind of, you know, you know, silly in and of itself to, you know, as that being a reason. But if he, if he's really taking a serious approach and, and sort of leaning out a little bit and, and increasing his durability, um, that's fine. I mean, he's not going to hit 40 home runs. He's at least going to hit for good average. He's going to be in a prime spot in a fantastic lineup in an even better ballpark against horrible pitching in that division to really crush it. And, uh, and I think people are starting to see that. Like I see him starting to rise a little bit at ADP, but like at 60 overall, just kind of, it just feels like too, too good to be true. And so for me, I've got him ranked at least a round and a half higher than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the love. I just, for me, that's always going to be the price on him. Like, I'm just, that's taking on a ton of risk. And, you know, early on, like, my whole goal is to just not take on, well, other than one particular player, I'm trying not to take on a ton of risk in the early rounds. Like, I'm trying to, you know, build a solid base. And I just, I don't know, like, Aaron Judge is awesome for the home runs. But, you know, let's just say, like, 30 picks later, I can get Nick Castellanos, right? He's got similar batting average issues. He's got not maybe not judges ceiling, but he's going to hit 30 bombs, 35 bombs in a full season at Great America Small Park. Like, I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot less risk there than, like, paying. I feel like, I just feel like that you're – I mean, I guess if he hits 60 home runs, like, where is he going next year? Like, second round? Um, no, I mean, he would be – he'd be a first-rounder if he hit 60. I mean, he, he's got the name brand as is, and – I mean, and you got to think at some point these some of these guys, you know, th- that have like just have have had these issues over the last couple of years and, and throw out even last season, which was just, you know, kind of a mess in a shortened season. Like they got to have healthy seasons at some point. Right. Like they can't just play, you know, 80, 100 games per season every single year. And, you know, me, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm the guy that called uh, or was at least predicting the Castellanos uh, NL MVP, which which looked good, I think, for like the first three weeks of the season. Then he then he kind of freed out. But like to me judges in a different stratosphere i mean you know so 52 homers and, and 128 runs in his basically only only full season the only season where he had over 500 plate appearances the next two years he basically hit 27 home runs in an average of 105 games 
right? So even that you're getting some value and then you might get some replacement value with somebody else that you pick up later in, in your draft or maybe in fab. So there's a little bit of that coverage if you need it. But at some point, the guy needs to stay healthy, have a full season. And if you catch that in the sixth round, you're kind of catching lightning in a bottle. Like he's on a different stratosphere than Castellanos to me. Yeah, I, I just don't. I think the days of sixth round Aaron Judge are gone. Like, I hope you, like, if you can get him still in the sixth round, go for it. <laughs> I, I, I just, I think he's kind of moving up already into that fourth, fifth round range, and it's just, it's tough for me. Um, there's just a lot of good outfielders. It's a strong position as always, and especially in these NFBC formats for me, it's like that's when you start mm-hmm. to start thinking about closers, like fifth round. You don't want to get stuck on the wrong end of a closer run in, in a 15 teamer. Yeah. Um, especially this year, I don't know that there's quite as many top end closers as there has been in the past years. Like, you know, we lost a couple this year. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of down to, at least for me, three in like that first tier. And that second tier guys are going to go right after it. So I want to make sure that, like, I'm, if I'm going to use a fifth or sixth round pick on a closer, like, I want to make sure at least it's one of the top ones and not like the second tier guy. Cause then I'm just losing a lot of value there. Yeah, it's it's rough, definitely, with the with the closers, um, and and they're going higher and higher. You know, by the time we get to uh, uh, these 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 live drafts and the, at the end of March, I mean, you know, like <laughs> Rysel Iglesias is going to be like a fourth round pick. It's oh, going to be crazy. I mean, he's like probably like the fourth or fifth closer on my board right now, and that he's everyone's. Me. Yeah, he's everyone's and, fifth at this point. And it's just like, oh my god, you know. And there's a lot of the other situations are getting murkier by the day too. Like last mm-hmm. night, I saw Ken Giles signed in Seattle. Um, I thought they were giving that job to Rafael Montero. Those dreams are gone. Oh no, no, Giles is uh, he's he's not going to play this year at all. It, they signed him for two. It's weird. They signed him for two years, but he's recovering from Tommy John. Wait, when did he, he get Tommy pitch, John? Uh, last year. Ken Giles got Tommy John. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what it was, or something. I mean, something serious. Anyways, he's he's not pitching totally at all. That. Yeah, he's not pitching at all in 2021. Oh, so totally they that. signed him on a two-year, but he's just going to just recuperate and he won't throw a single pitch. I totally missed that. It was but in, like end of September, probably when I was focused on yeah. the uh, the title chase. And I, I, I was yeah. uh, outside title chances, at least. And uh, I totally missed that. Wow. Yeah. Lots well, exciting. Rafael Montero season, not dead yet. I like, I have, I like Montero. I do too. I have a lot of them. Pick. So I was like really sad when that came across the bottom line of the ticker last night. I was like, oh man, like, <laughs> that's no cr- fun. I mean, not not to like you know go to kind of sw- you know throw off to different topics, but like Kirk Kimbrell is consistently going ahead of Rafael Montero by a lot, and I don't like that at all. I actually prefer Montero. No, the, the, trust me, we can bounce around. I I, I told you like I got we got the nice little summary, but we can definitely bounce around because um, you know we don't, outfielders are great, well, but uh, there's a lot more to fancy baseball than outfielders. So, well, the one last thing I did want to mention about Judge is if you just go back and you look at like so throw out 2020 that he had a he was injured going into the season. He basically shouldn't have even played till he was fully recovered. But in the previous seasons, he never even really hurt you in uh, in batting average. He was basically like a two seventies, two eighties guy. So this really never hit under you know two sixty. Um, and then his walk rate's always been solid. It's like 15 to 18%, which is pretty elite. And exit velocity, he's literally top two, like, every, you know, over the last four years, even including the 92 miles per hour average exit velocity from last year when he was basically hurt, like he's still like top two in all of baseball. So, uh, and this is why, like, you know, if you're playing in, even in an OBP league, he's a really top pick because he's getting you you know, it was 422 in that big season. That's that's Votto range, right? Uh, 392 the following year, 381 after that. Like, 
a healthy Aaron Judge is an elite Aaron Judge. That's the key, though. Do you want to take that risk and and, and do that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. 2020 wasn't even that bad of a season for me for him. Like, he just got unlucky with BABIP, you know? He was a guy that was a 360 BABIP guy, and you could maybe tell me those three years were a little overachieving, mm-hmm. but given the amount of home runs he hits, he's always going to be a high BABIP guy. So, like, 283 is a career low by far. So, I'm not even sure you just just probably just got a little bit unlucky. So, that batting average probably isn't as bad as it looks. Yeah, maybe I missed the window. Well, and like a ribcage thing. Like, he that, that's not even full-strength judge. He, he, you know, like, they said he was healthy. Remember, like, the whole thing with yeah. the New York uh, uh, trainers there that pretty much that need to get fired that weren't catching their guys getting injured? Yeah, it was, so, not, it was not good. But, yeah, only a 92.2 exit velocity kind of shows that he wasn't quite 100%. Speaking of healthy, uh, let's just talk about in general, like, what you're going to do with the COVID players. We could talk about this in the terms of Austin Meadows. And I'm with you. Austin Meadows was an early target of mine. Really all the COVID guys for me early on were just targets. I thought we were getting a kind of two or three round decrease on them. It was a short season. They were dealing with COVID. It's been pretty clear in some of the other sports that, like, they just... Just, it just affects you for a couple months, you know? Jason Tatum hasn't been the same in the NBA since he's coming back off his COVID. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't been quite the same yet. So, like, you kind of see with these players that, you know, these are professional athletes and it's still really affecting them months later. But now it's for these some of these guys, it's going to be, you know, 9, 10, 11 months down the road. And we've seen no real, like, oh, hey, he's still having lingering effects from this. So, like, are you still just targeting these guys in general or is it kind of just case by case? Yeah, I mean, for me at this point, like it's it's just been so long, and it's uh, it, it's not something I'm thinking about. I'm I'm kind of more concerned about the guys that might be having it now, right? Um, I mean, even though maybe it's like a different strain or whatever, um, you know, uh, I'm not a roto doctor or anything, but uh, you know, like Shane Bieber, for example, he's got it, but it's minor symptoms. It sounds like he's going to be fine, be you know, be be right back in camp, and everything's okay. But you know, who knows? And then for every case where like Austin Meadows was really affected by it. Um, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez was incredibly affected by it. Like, you know, his health was, was, was really poor. Then you've got somebody like Freddie Freeman who won an MVP after having COVID basically in the beginning, like he remember he like couldn't hold down his food. Like he was just really sick and, you know, he recovered quickly and bounced back. So who knows how these things affect people. You just try to pay attention as much as you can and make the best decision accordingly. Yeah. I mean, so like for me, it's interesting. So like I, I went back and read your first base, third base article, and I saw you were really down on Yoan Moncada, and I got, caught me off guard, to be honest, because I, I I thought that like he was a prime buy low last year. He was kind of one of those guys that was rising, and he too was kind of had had a good start. Got hit by COVID, and it really kind of torpedoed his season. Um, I, I'm just curious, like, uh, so I you have young Yoan Moncada in tier four. Um, and your argument basically was you were worried about the batting order slot. Then I slide over to outfield, and I see Luis Robert, who is going to absolutely bat below or uh, Moncada, is way up the board. So what's the difference between Moncada and Robert in terms of batting order not hurting them or hurting them? Uh, it's it's the steals for Luis Robert, uh, and it's talent, right? I think for me, uh, Luis Robert is, a, is like a is a top end prospect who could return 
his third round value while still hitting 245 from the seven hole. And he's a guy that could potentially, you know, move up the lineup. Like, you know, he has money. Grandal is great. He still gets on base and everything, but you know, he's an old ass man and, and he's a batting average liability. So if he isn't walking and there are some, some declines there, then, you know, people are going to start to move up. And if Lewis Roberts healthy, um, he'll, he'll and looking good, he's going to move up in the order. Moncada to me, I mean, he's, he's solid. Like I don't really have anything against him per se, other than he's just a a little kind of, you know, even throughout last year, he's a little volatile for me. Like, I I don't know what I'm going to get from the guy, just a really wide range of outcomes. Like 2018, he hit 235, uh, 2019, 315. You know what I mean? Like uh, I just don't know what I'm getting. I, you know, not really sure. So I'm just kind of lukewarm on Yon Mankata, maybe draft him at the right price. Yeah, see, I, to me, like, I just feel like his age, like, he was 23 in 2018, had a breakout 2019, you know, the, the walk rate, the K rate, he just got more aggressive at the plate, like, he got really more aggressive, the walk rate and the K rate cut, and it was working for him, you know, he's not going to bat 315 again, certainly, like, that. He, he's not a 400 BABIP guy, I'll be the first one to admit that, but, you know, if he bats 280, put, gets me 25 homers and 10 steals mm-hmm. in the 7th, 8th round, like, second base third base depending where you play like third base nfbc but still like i i I don't know i'm really high on him i i just he's always been a top level prospect i mean he got a monster deal as coming out of uh uh dominican somewhere i don't think it was dominican republic i think it was one of the other islands but i can't think of it right now um but he he got 70 million dollars right so Mm -hmm. i mean he's always been a top level prospect so for me um, I, I, that Mankata is definitely one of the trains that I am definitely going to hop on. But it's really just all the COVID guys. Meadows, Mankata. Um, there's one more I'm forgetting right now. But just really all the COVID guys. I, I think come March 2, once we see them hit well in spring training, mm-hmm. I think their prices are going to rise. Like if Austin Meadows puts up a good spring training, like even a first good couple weeks, that price is going to rise. People are just going to be like, all right, screw it. Last year was last year. I think people are going to be much more willing to forgive it for the COVID guys than maybe some of these other hitters that, you know, were, were healthy that we're aware of and just kind of didn't really put it all together. Yeah. And I think the problem with, with Meadows is, or at least the only concern kind of going forward. And, um, you know, I'm, I feel like I've been one of his biggest fans. I feel like I was uh, early on the guy um, as far as, you know, still picking him up a couple of years ago, back when he was with Pittsburgh actually, and, and really had a nice uh, and uh, sort of MLB debut in, in that last month of the season where he really helped fantasy teams. And then I got him very much on the cheap for his breakout year in, in 2019. So that was really nice. Um, but the concern is if he struggles against lefties, he's a left-handed hitter himself. If he struggles against lefties like he did last uh, in 2020, he's going to get platoon, right? This is a team that that does a lot of that. And, and they're not, they're always going to put their best foot forward, their best lineup forward. And they have so many lefty righty, like sort of perfect matches going on. Um, uh, you know, it just literally fits in like a glove that that could be the one problem. And, and if, you know, your guy that you're picking 80th, 90th overall isn't playing every day, um, then, then, then it becomes a little bit of concern. Yeah. I'm not so, I mean, you know, last year I was, as you know, I was super high on Brandon Lau because I was like, there's no platoon partner here. Like, there's no yeah. platoon partner. Um, and I, I kind of have the same thoughts this year. Like, who, who's the who's their reserve outfielder right now? Like, I'm look like, 
Are they really going to play Mike Purcell in the outfield? I, I look, I mm. have a lot of Mike Purcell late, but there's just that's in cut lines. That's multiplayer eligibility, but I think that's a pipe dream. And then the next outfielder on their roster is like Brett Phillips. To yeah, this uh, the, the, it really feels to me like they're they've been really addressing their their pitching, right? They uh they you know they they they, they signed Waka, they signed Chris Archer, Rich Hill. Like I actually think these are solid additions and kind of bolsters uh, uh bolsters the the staff. I think it's helpful. Even Waka, maybe Waka has you know a little bit left in the tank and in the right match. Well, obviously, you're not starting him at Yankee Stadium, but you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it looks like the offense is missing something. They're, they're missing a, a, a big outfield addition because right now it's really just the speedy guys uh, who are good defensively, Margot and Kiermaier. Um, and they were kind of in a platoon last year, but right now they, they pretty much have them set up to both be playing. I think most days, uh, I think there might be some, uh, some, some lefties that Kiermaier might sit against. Um, and other than that, it's just Meadows and Arazarena. Um, so they got those four guys and Meadows could DH a little bit or Zerania could DH a little bit and that's it. So th- I think there's somebody missing on this team that they may go out and get in free agency. Yeah. If they do, I'll definitely be one of the first guys to go ahead and pop them up. Brendan Lowe too played a bunch of left field last year too. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the way the roster is set up right now kind of looks like that could continue against lefties. He's kind of like their best guy lefty on lefty. So maybe they'll play Brousseau at second and uh, give Brendan Lowe a start in left field, which is, always a uh, intriguing thing to watch but uh, i guess that's the way the roster looks kind of looks yeah. like that's what's going to happen you know what i mean we, we know what who mike brousseau is he is the guy that we play in dfs no matter what when there's a lefty on the mound you just pop him in like 80 percent chance you're getting a homer from the guy it's just literally what he does yeah it's just funny i just he's like the guy that i keep dropping late because he's just one injury away at third base second base outfield like I feel like he's the guy that's gonna slide in a lot, and so for me it's just like if I just get if, you know that one injury pops like now I've got a guy playing every day super 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 late, so um, that's definitely a guy that like 300, 350, mm-hmm. uh, one of my higher owned players right now. Um, let's talk about a player that we straight up just do not agree on 100%, and this is going to take us down a tangent road that I am really looking forward to having. <laughs> and I might release this pod after the draft on Sunday because I think pe- I started talking to Derek Cardi about this a couple days ago, and I think it's going to start to leak here in the next few days. Um, and the, the player is Kevin Biggio. So he's got second base, third base, outfield eligibility over at NFBC. Um, but it really doesn't matter to me. Have you looked at the dimensions of TD Ballpark? Yeah. They are, the, the, the for lefties, Every lefty in that division that goes into Florida in DFS, I am playing every single day in April and May until people figure this out. Mm-hmm. The dimensions to right center field are 20 feet shorter than right center field in Great America Small Park. And we call wow. it Great America Small Park for a reason. It's yeah. going to be hotter. It's going to be more humid. There's going to be rain delays that are going to knock out some starters inevitably. I just think Kevin Biggio is going to go bonkers in this park and from the power department. Yeah, he's got batting average concern, but I, I think if you built a stadium designed for Kevin Biggio's game, you would design TD Ballpark. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just in. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you on it too hard because you know. Uh, I, I mean, you saw the, the the first cut line that I did. 
I took him higher than his ADP at that point in the draft. Uh, I don't know. I don't call a moment of weakness, moment of strength, or whatever it was. I was like, you know, I could really use this three position eligible guy right here. And, and that's tempting that this is what happens a lot is if you're playing cut line or, or, or draft champions on NFBC, where, you know, there's no in season uh, uh, free agent bidding, those guys are really tempting and it can put you on players that you may not necessarily like, like, you know, like a lot of people don't like Tommy Edmond on the St. Louis Cardinals, but he's eligible at four positions, right? Uh, Max Muncy is somebody that uh, even as a Dodger fan, I'm not, I, I don't, particularly see him having a career year i feel like his best days are behind him but those three positions of eligibility are really nice it's good to have that roster flexibility because we know there's going to be a lot of injury issues um the things you're stating about biggio they make sense like it really is the facts he is likely not going to help you in batting average in fact he might hurt you there but everything else is so nice and especially they're going to play in this park in florida without those park dimensions he's a lefty and it really doesn't matter if he's hitting second between Springer and Bichette, or Bichette, or if he's hitting eighth, you know what I mean? Like he'll get his at some point. So um, I'm, I'm not fully against it as much as you think. Yeah, I, I, I still think Kevin Pichie is just going to bat second. I, I just think splitting up the lefties with some of those righties makes sense. Simeon's yeah. contact skills towards the bottom of the order behind, you know, the the Vlad Guerreros and ahead of like a Loris Juriel Jr. I think would just be really solid. I, I I'm looking at fan graphs right now, and they have Simeon batting second and Biggio batting sixth. I think I'd flip them. Um, it, it's well, funny. It's a similar thing. I, I talked about another player who we probably will not talk about on the show because we've talked enough about him already. But Alberto Mondesi, I think I see a lot of projection systems batting him sixth as well. And there's just, I, I, it's funny. After my last Twitter rant, I, I, I got some messages from people from Kansas City being like, "Yeah, no, don't, don't back down. Don't lose faith." Mm-hmm. Um, they sent me some quotes. Dayton Moore said. Uh, He's our Patrick Mahomes, if he figures it out. Sign me wow. up for that. Wow. GM told bananas. him after his slump in August, you're our starting shortstop as long as I'm the GM here. Like, sign me up for those type of things, baby. Um, well, well, we have a lot of, I mean, we have a lot of, like, purists in our industry who are, you know, they just, you know, they don't like fun. So they don't like Alberto Mondesi and are, you know, purists in terms of, oh, well, he's a horrible baseball player. Therefore... You know, he's a super high risk in the second round. Yes, he is a high risk. Absolutely. But do you know the upside? Like, he's not that bad of an all-around He's 25. Player. I know he's been in our lives for six years. He's 25. Yeah. I mean, his the, the steal, not only the steal, he can hit you 15, 20 home runs. Yeah, he can he hit can, 270. He can hit, if he bats second, the runs are going to be there too. The runs aren't going to be completely yep. gone. And that lineup's mm-hmm. deeper. Like... I, I was, I, you know, it was funny. Like I, I posted like an initial lineup after they signed someone. I can't remember who they signed. Oh, they, it was the Benetani trade, and mm-hmm. I was like, like I forgot guys. I was like, holy crap, this lineup is like sneaky deep. Like there's seven, eight guys here that are like really good hitters. Last year they had like three, and yeah. that's definitely gonna help. Yeah, I mean, what if Benetani bounces back and oh, is man. somewhat decent? Like there's this is a player not... I had none of until now. I have no what to do with him now. They, they they signed Carlos Santana. I mean, I understand guys like 35 years old, but he's still one of the best uh, uh, at taking a walk. I mean, you know, really solid on base guy, um, you know, hitting probably. I mean, who knows? Who knows how this lineup can shake out? That's that's the thing is like, you know, what you see on roster resource in fan graphs is, you know, uh, that person's int- interpretations of it. I believe it's, it's Jason Martinez who's been doing this for years and obviously a really sharp dude. But what happens is a lot of people don't question things. They look at it. They're like, oh, this is how it's going to be. 
guess what? The managers don't even know how it's going to be. They just started spring training. Like there's so many variations of things and, and things that managers can figure out. And not only that, these lineups are going to change every day, especially with the sharper managers, sharper teams. God, it'd be so nice to just get Nicky Lopez out of this damn lineup. So oh, nice. I was looking. I was assuming, I was thinking the same thing. He he he's so uh, uh, hated that he wasn't. He's not even drafted in fifty round. He's the only <laughs> starter that's not drafted in fifty rounders. <laughs> it's they hard. got well. They I they mean, they got they Hanser Alberto. Alberto there. Can you imagine if they started Hanser Alberto at second base on that team? Yeah, that, that'd be nice. Oh, I, I didn't even realize he'd signed there. That's always the nice part when you start doing projections. I haven't gotten to Kansas City yet. Uh, but like you see these, some of these non-roster invites, you're like, oh, that's an mm-hmm. interesting landing spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they start playing well, and next thing you know, they're you know, you're like, wow, this guy could start, this guy could play, and that's how it always seems like it turns up. But yeah, no, Calvin Biggio is one of my highest on players. Um, I, I'm just a huge fan of the situation, and it's not like it's just his home park. Then he goes to Baltimore, then he goes mm-hmm. to Fenway, then he goes to Yankee Stadium, and it's like, okay, so the bad stadium is Tampa, like. That's a pretty good, bad stadium to have. Like, all these AL East hitters to me. Um, actually, let's just pivot there. Um, I, I was looking kind of... I've, I've done this in a couple divisions. I've talked to you about the NL Central, AL Central last year. Um, but I think the AL East quietly has a similar situation going on where people view, like, the baseball season last year as July through September. It really wasn't July through September. It was basically August and September with, like, 8 to 10 days of July. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of was like you lost. They said like, oh, baseball came back in the summer, but from like a weather perspective, it really didn't. And you know, we kind of saw a lot of these top hitters play in the warm weather climates. Are we getting a discount just on like the AL East hitters because they played in New York, Boston, Buffalo last year? Not maybe a little bit, but I don't think people are really you know thinking all that way. You know, like they're not on the you know like the, uh, the galaxy brain level that, that, that some of us might be in. But, um, but I mean, no, I mean, looking around, it seems to me like a lot of these guys are, are, are fairly priced. I mean, even like, you know, looking at the Yankees, uh, you know, um, DJ LeMahieu is like a second round pick, basically second, third round pick. Luke Voigt led the majors in home runs last year. You know, he's going around like, you know, Pete Alonso territory. I think that's probably a fair price. Labor Torres is is really underpriced, but I think some people are realizing that. You know, like two weeks ago in a twelve teamer, I got him at eighty third overall, which you know obviously was closer to his sort of his his max pick. Someone in my latest draft took him at fifty four, so there's a wide range on him, and a lot of these guys are going to be kind of jumping around all over the place. All right, let me let me counter. Let me just read to you some Red Sox hitters, and you tell me which one of these is not underpriced. Alex Verdugo. Oh, you're asking one at a time. Wasn't he the cover guy of your article? (laughs) Yeah, I called I called an audible because they put Cody Bellinger on it, which I thought was too boring. And and I don't like to just and the thing is with covers is people think like, oh, they're they're trying to make a statement. No, I just like Alex Verdugo, uh, like you know, as like a player. I mean, it's I I don't even have him that much higher on my ADP or my VDP from ADP. It just I just wanted to throw him out there just to get people talking. I I like Verdugo. I think he's in for a nice season. I just mentioned like another lefty hitter who's going to kind of just be in a good spot should lead off all season for this team xander is probably fairly priced Devers, he's fairly priced half a he's, round too late probably but not yeah yeah he's he's he, he should be going a half round, but he he has been in some drafts depends on the draft jd martinez underpriced and especially if you get some outfield action and he gets that eligibility people will be like damn why did i let 
JD Martinez slipped to 90. Yeah. Uh, Christian Vasquez, I think, is probably fairly priced, but he, he his range of outcomes. Talk about range of outcomes. Whew. He's he's actually he's one of the like feels like one of the safer uh catchers because he's also one of the few guys that can steal a few bases and he doesn't like kill you in batting average and the problem with that is if you you know i don't know how many cut lines you've done where uh since real muto injured his thumb like vasquez is getting up there like to the point i can't even touch him if he's going to 120 overall 110 I, I i can't do that just because he's got the catcher designation yes he catches for me and and cut line i i try to pay, i pay up for him so mm-hmm. I only I can so I free up a roster spot. I only carry three when I can get good guys. Have you done one since JT went down? Yeah. How far? Yeah, did I got a. Um, how far? Oh, oh, actually, I have the board. You sent me the board, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I can look. Yeah, because I I I'm a huge JT guy. Um, let's see, how far did he fall? Oh, he didn't fall at all. Late third. Um, basically went where he's bad. Someone someone didn't get the real Muto news in my online championship last night. He went like uh, thirty nine. I gotta be like, what's wrong with that exactly? Like, he's not gonna miss that much of the regular season. How do we know? It's a thumb. It's a hand. Like, it's it wouldn't need that much. It's a, anyone missing anything at all? Like, you just why would you pay full market price for it? Because he's you know? such a, he's so awesome. All right, well, let me say that he was on the list of three guys for later on. Um, all right. Uh, I just. Yeah, what were we talking about? AL East hitters. I don't even know where. Yeah, we're talking about the. You were running down the Red Sox. Oh, Red Sox. Uh, Here we go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is where it's gonna get. This is where the case kind of gets made. Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I mean that he's somebody that's probably gonna hit like two twenty with you know twenty eight homers and most of them against just lefties. So I don't know. He's he's fairly priced. Gonna play every day though. Mm, We think we'll see. Have you seen the Red Sox bench hitters right now? Uh. Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez probably could play a little bit out well, but more Marvin likely Gonzalez infield. Gonzalez is like the, the, the guy you take at 410 in the cut line. You kind of just hope he finds a way to play like 120 games. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he's not very good. But, you know, again, like anything better, sometimes anything's better than a zero um, in those cut lines. They can definitely, like, they you, add up very quickly. Frankie, I mean, Kike, course, Kike Hernandez can play can play outfield and when Christian Arroyo bats second because Kike's only really good against lefties. Yeah, uh, Franchi, of course, is going to be like the darling. If he if he has a good spring training, that ADP is going to rise a couple yeah. hundred spots. You'd think. Everybody wants Franchi Cordero to be a thing because he's uh, <laughs> he's got some good raw skills. Let's see if he can be healthy and put it together. It's really all about health and and then making contact. Yeah, it'd be really nice to know exactly how the Red Sox felt about him because we, we just don't know because we have no idea who the players we named for later. Are they really mm-hmm. good prospects or are they yeah. kind of blah prospects? You really have uh-huh. no idea how much they actually believe in them. Yeah. Um, and then Bobby Dahlback is probably one of my favorites. Uh, he's locked into that first base job. Uh, I like I like Bobby Dahlback. I've been, I've been trying to get some. He seems to me like a guy that isn't going to be hitting eighth for very long in this lineup. One way or another, he's going to move up. Yeah, Franchi and Renfro, you kind of feel like there's some spots there for him to slide up pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even Vasquez, like, he could easily slide. If he has a good, like, start, could easily slide up to fifth, and they move Vasquez mm-hmm. down a slot. So. Yeah, he's a guy I think that definitely is sneaky. And then you mentioned Kiki, of course. I just, and then there's another team we'll talk about in the second of this division that I know you you love just as much as I do. Um, but yeah, I just you know I, I just think that this AL East it's not necessarily the Yankees, but I feel like Tampa bats too. I could do the same thing with Tampa, other than like the top guys they're kind of being underpriced. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll get to Baltimore. They get their own segment because uh, I don't think people understand how good 
the Baltimore <laughs> lineup is for DF for, for fantasy. Well, and for yeah. DFS, but certainly for fantasy baseball, I think it's one of the most underrated offenses in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean is that what we're talking about now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let, I mean, we can start with Austin Hayes if you want. I was super heavy last year. I think he was a hot, top four-owned player for me last year. Um, just the, got hurt right away. Um, it sucked. He was just turning around, got hurt. And then he came back in September, kind of like what he had done like the year before, and kind of showed the reason why I was so high on him. Kind of reminds me of a, a rich man's Brandon Nimmo, who I know you were high on last year as well. Just yeah. Good batting average, um, can get you home runs, can steal some bags. I, I still love everything about him again this year. Yeah, he's just never really he's just never been really healthy. That, that that's really been the problem, and uh, um, and you know so just get to get the man out there, get him get him on the field. He you know hits the ball hard. Uh, he can pop you twenty homers. He can he can steal ten bases. He's kind of a uh, an ideal leadoff man. Um, and I, I think there's maybe some concern um, with you know with, with with getting on base actually and the walk rate. Um, so, but really there's not much of a difference between, you know, him and guys like Mount Castle, Mancini and, uh, uh, Santander. Santander who are all going like 50, 70 picks ahead of him. That's the part I don't get. Yeah. I was a Ryan Matt Castle truther too. So I'm certainly not going to, it's not, it, for me, it's not either or it's like, and it's like steak and lobster. Well, yes, thank you. I will take my steak <laughs> and my lobster. Thank you very much. Yes. This um, is America. We can have both. Yeah. Uh, it's just I, this lineup, you know, Trey Mancini coming back. I don't, again, this is another lineup that like the bottom three are kind of just blah, mm-hmm. but one through six. I mean, Hayes, DJ Stewart, Santander, Mancini, Cisco, Matt Castle, you know, mm-hmm. in some order in this ballpark in these ballparks. I just, I mean, they're not gonna be able to stop anyone from scoring runs, but yeah. boy, are they going to be able to hit some from themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm on board with you, man. This is this is great. Uh, actually, hope some of these Baltimore guys fall uh, a little bit in price because, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Mount Castle hasn't played a full season, but he's kind of getting he's kind of priced at a point where you know you're you're kind of expecting a lot from him at 150 overall. I mean, how, how do you feel about him? I guess based on other guys that are going in that range, like would you rather? Mount Castle versus, you know, Solaire, Dylan Carlson, and Michael Brantley. Is it just like situational, depending you need certain stats, or just straight up Mount Castle? I gotta be honest. I probably take Matt Castle before that point, so I'm not really making that decision. Um, there's kind of a dead spot for me between like 100 and 130, and I think all those guys you listed are kind of like 130 to 150, right? Yeah. So, so you're I'm talking about the like the Tommy Pham, Will Myers, Kyle Lewis group. Yeah, I, I, I've just been pushing Ryan Mattcastle into that group. Um, mm-hmm. I've just, I'm a believer of the hitter. Um, he's been hit at every level. Um, you know, the walk rate has never been great, but the K rate's always been low. And I love those hitters that just don't strike out, mm-hmm. especially in parks like this. Um, you know, is he going to bat 333 again? Probably not, right? Um, do I think the projection systems are taking it a little too far the other way at 265, 270? Yeah, I do. I think like 280. Is probably what I haven't projected at. Actually, I can tell you, I have it up. Uh, 278. So like, I think that's solid. You know, 278 with some pop. Um, if I need steals, obviously he's not the way to go. But mm-hmm. I try to really get my steals early. So I'm one of those guys that will pay up for Mondesi. Um, so, I, yeah, I'd like Matt Castle more than that whole group. But I mean, Dylan Carlson's a guy. I just 
that's one of those guys I'm just going to have to talk to someone that's down there and be like, what does he look like? Last year he looked great in camp. Um, mm-hmm. And then pitchers just found out right away he couldn't hit a changeup. And it just kind of just screwed his whole season over. Um, I mean, he, the guy hit 200. He was he was horrible until the last two weeks of the season. Couldn't hit a changeup. Yeah. His batting average against changeup was like literally zero until September. He couldn't hit mm-hmm. one. It didn't matter if it was good. Bad. I think he hit one for a home run that was absolutely hung. But other than that, like, just did not hit. He just couldn't hit him. Um, and I know he spent time in the offseason working on changeups. Like, straight up, just probably, I heard I heard he was just hitting, like, 100 changeups a day, right? Fastballs and changeups, trying to learn how to identify them. So, if he solves that problem, I'm a buyer. But it's kind of one of those things I'd like to see a little, a couple of spring training games first, or have someone be like, "Yeah, it actually, you know, translates outside of a batting cage." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an important part of it too. Um, you know, big hype on the guy, and could have like a really key lineup spot. I mean, hitting with studs like Goldschmidt and, and, and Arenado. I mean, that that's going to look good. I, I did want to ask you how you feel about Arenado. Like, did you drop him down a lot moving from Coors Field, or do you kind of feel like he's going to have a good season here in St. Louis? I think he'll have a good season. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot more offense in the NL and AL Central this year than there was last year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I said that to you. Uh, like, seven of the bottom eight offenses were in the NL cent- AL Central last year. And that's just not going to hold. Like, it's never been that way before. So, yeah. uh, whether it was wind patterns or whatever it was, like, it just, that's just not going to hold. And we, we see a lot of prices in the NL cent- AL Central pitchers. Like, they're all jacked up to the moon because of that, right? So, I'm really skeptical in drafting those guys because i think a lot of it was you know pretty fluky well um on the whole well that and they're going to you know that that was kind of a little bubble there where the central was basically just playing only the central right so now you branch out and you get some of that al east it's uh you know it's a whole new ballpark yeah no, no there, there are intended. actually two pitch i just pulled up my most drafted players list and there are two pitchers in, in the division i believe in but um, actually, Austin Hayes, by the way, my number one most drafted player so far. He's on nice. all but one team so far. Um, and uh, I was looking to see where Matt Castle ranked to some of those other guys. And yeah, he's it, significantly higher than all. It's really them. funny. You keep saying that you, I, I, I hear a different pronunciation. I'm hearing a football quarterback. I'm hearing you say Matt Castle when you Matt say Matt. I don't hear the Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're Ryan Matt Castle. Matt Castle. <laughs> Oh man, I, I, he's yeah. I, I it's just actually look at this list. It's pretty. Who I actually babysitted as a uh, babysat as a kid, kind of because I was a. Uh, he, he went to my him and my brother were friends and went to high school, or junior high school together. So uh, I had to watch them a couple times. <laughs> That's pretty great, um, but yeah, I, I just really am high on this whole Baltimore team in general. But that hundred to one hundred and fifty tier, like actually, let me just pull up the hundred to one hundred fifty tier. Maybe you can talk me on as someone, because it's it really for me, it's just been an absolute like dead zone for me, um, in, in drafts. And I've been trying to find like someone I love, and every draft, it's just like no, I, I really don't love anyone still. Uh, let me pull up ADP, and this that's the best part about the NFBC too. This is available for everyone. Um, you can just pull up ADP. Um, I'm actually just going to take all draft formats. Did you see their new feature, the no. draft board ADP? Oh, yeah. Well, if you click on a player and it just shows you, like, the trend. No, 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 no. The ADP in the draft board. It's the sickest thing I've ever seen. So go to, go to, go to, yeah. NF, go to like, you know, where it says draft board. Yeah. And it says click the, oh, ADP draft board. Oh, sweet. Yes, yes. And then you can pick the format, 12-team, 15-team, 10-team, cut line, and it shows you with the player 
color bubbles like where where they're going at the moment okay great so like here here are the guys that like basically starts around it really starts around like after race Iglesias actually and austin meadows it's like ian anderson jeff mcneil matt olson Kristen Jack, Luzardo, Swanson, Bundy, Muncie, Blackman, Cruz, Goldie, I actually like a little bit. Rizzo, I like a little bit. Baum, Will Smith, Grinky, Paddock, Urias. I'm sure you're going to tell me why Urias is great. But it's just like, eh. They're all just anime. I'm not like, I'm not wild about anything there. So you're yeah. going to tell me why Julio Urias is like this great pick and I should take him? No, not there. No, not necessarily. He's, he's, you know, with, with Trevor Bauer on the team now and just have them having seven solid starting pitchers and them, you know, kind of babying their, you know, their studs, you know, you'll get quality innings out of the guy. And I, and I probably expect a higher K rate than, than what we saw last year and some confidence built, you know, sort of instilled within him after uh, his playoff run last year and then winning the championship. But like there are a lot of great pitchers in that, in that area, in that range, at least for me, um, you know, McCullers, Paddock, Musgrove, Morton, uh, Sixto, Bundy. Uh, All right, let's talk Paddock. What is it about Chris Paddock? Because I last year was a guy I was completely off, and last year kind of felt like the season that I was like, see, this is what I thought he was going to be the entire time. What is it about well, Paddock that you really like? I mean, I don't like – there's nothing that I really like or, or don't really like. I mean, just, you know, pitching for uh, a team – that is going to you know provide a lot of run support i mean we saw the you know the kind of beast that he was in that uh in his rookie season we're gonna have to split the difference a little bit between you know last year and and you know the the, the short season um he had you know some problems with you know his curveball um but i mean dude he's got the best changeup in the minors uh you know so, some adjustments in camp having like all of spring training to work things out confidence of like you know the, you know all these studs around him you know darvish and, and snell um i think it's gonna kind of rub off on him and i think he'll be all right not like he's gonna be a you know top 10 pitch or anything but for the price i think he's worth it yeah I, that's a big problem for me i like to just draft guys that like i feel good about you know i don't I, every time i draft the oh he's a nice value here guy it's actually it screwed me last year in the damn cut line like it was like it was Kluber in like one pick 100 and price at 130 that really came back to bite me. I got literally one inning combined from him. And it's like, God, if I could have even had like 50 innings from these guys, I could have been mm-hmm. top three overall. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like every time I've made a mistake, it's the, well, you know, he's not that. I don't have a serious problem with him, but I don't love him. And that's the thing is you don't want to, you know, we only draft so many teams. Don't ever be in a position where you're drafting players that you don't really have a strong feeling about. But, you know, I mean, if you've got a whole bunch of analysts that you respect and they're all kind of saying the same thing or we're seeing some like actual changes that are worth buying into, then, yeah, sure. But you're right. A lot of times if you're, uh, um, you know, if you don't feel good about a player and then you're just taking him because he just kind of fell, think about the fact that like 14 other players like passed on him <laughs> for, for him to fall to you as the quote unquote value. Yeah. That was my, I found that, I found that lesson out very hard in my first main event. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's where I found out. That's where I found it out was my yeah. first main event. I'm like, Oh, this guy's falling. Oh my God. Yeah. And later no, on, actually, the room's very smart. What you should do is take, make a list of all those guys and fade them all in DFS yeah. for two months. And it'd be very profitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, this is actually a really cool feature. I haven't checked this one out. I'm going to have to spend some more time on it. Let's do uh, – I got one more question about your outfield article, and then we're going to do a mini debate, and then I'll let you get out of here. 
Um, but first, though, I, I, in your article, you mentioned that you thought that Killeroff would not start for the Twins in the majors. My question is, who the hell is going to them? That's just what I. That's just was a was a quote um, from manager that I, or from management. Actually, is where what? I think I is where I believe I got it from. Yeah, I don't. Unless I just, it's possible that I dreamt it and just came up. But I'm pretty sure there was something about Kirilov not starting in the majors, which maybe is just for a couple of weeks. Maybe it's contractually motivated or you know super two stuff. But I believe I saw that somewhere. I mean, he should be. He's their stud first rounder. He's ready for the majors, you know, 24 years old, one of the only lefty bats in the lineup. I mean, what are you going to play Jake Cave over him? So if they don't play him, start him, then there's some reason for it. Yeah, it's like the other guy who's on the, like, you know, Brent Rooker, I heard, might play. But I was like, if you're playing service time with one guy, why aren't you going to play service time with the other guy? Right? Yeah. I, was, I guess I got really confused with that whole situation. Um so yeah, he's a guy that I've drafted a bunch too. I I, I don't think he's going to be down for long if at all. Um, yeah, what saw... was it? It's, it's, it's just something like uh, yeah, there was a, a Twinkie Town. I mean, it's just one article, but I think there were more than that. It was uh, Brent Rooker, not Alex Kirilov, could be the opening day left fielder. The key there is could, right? And and who knows? Yeah, just just weird, right? Right? Like if you're going to play service time with one, I'm just confused why you wouldn't play it with the other. But hey, yeah. there might be reasons why. Um, and you never know too. Like it could just be whoever agrees to the contract first gets the start, right? That happens to us all the time right before or during main event seasons where these contracts come out. Like, mm-hmm. I remember the year Fernando Tatis signed his signed that major league deal, right? Um, yeah, or they just, just said, like, oh, we're going to start Tatis in the majors. Like, he grows up 200 spots overnight. Oh, yeah. Um, it, those, and I remember the one year it didn't work out was uh, Scott Kingery signed that contract. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Scott Kingery, he's the best thing ever. And then it didn't work out. But that's always the best part about main event, too, is, like, when there's some, some crazy curveball news. Mm-hmm. It can change things too. I remember like Ramirez got hurt mid draft. I was sitting in like the platinum, and Casey Chaw like took another third baseman. And I was like, why did Casey Chaw just take another third baseman? He drafted Jose Ramirez in the first round. Did he forget? Oh no, he on his phone he had noticed that Jose Ramirez had taken a foul ball off his knee, and there was value there. <laughs> he, ended, he ended up not missing any time, right? No, it ended up not being that bad. But like if you watch the yeah. video, it was like getting carried off the. Field. I remember that. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, he broke his. Knee. I was in that draft. I remember betting on, I remember immediately walking out and betting on like one of the futures. I think it was like the White Sox to win the Central. I was like, well, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this is not good. And it turned out he missed like no time at all. But uh, that's the best part about main season is when something inevitably just happens that changes. Mm-hmm. You think you have a clue like after the first te- like first bunch of mains, you're like, okay, I kind of have a feel how this is going to go. And then curveball, 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 and it's all completely different. Or someone names their closer while you're in the middle of the round, like right where you need to draft. <laughs> Normally, it's after I make my pick. I lo- oh. uh, Twitter pops up, like, you know, manager yeah. names this guy the closer, and you're like, there's no chance he gets back to this. <laughs> and then, like, sometimes it, like, gets around, and then it comes back, and you start getting false hope, and the guy gets taken, and you're like, yeah. Yep. That's another thing about mains, too. You get sniped every time in the main. Oh, and more often than, like, online, it's just, like, Got a list of five guys, five picks in front of you. It's like, well, now I have no cue left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's uh, that's the worst because then what, what ends up happening is you're even more pressured to make uh, a, a tough decision and a bad decision, right? You like kind of go even against your own instinct. You're like, and then afterwards you regret it. Like, why did I take that guy? I wasn't planning to. Yeah, and it's uh, it's always like you look back at the drafts. It's like, oh, because I had those five guys right before me that I loved that went. Um, all right, we're going to do a quick mini debate, and then I will let you out of here. Again, fantasyguru.com. Get the baseball package. I, I can't encourage you enough. 
Um, if you've been over at Elite Sports Betting, uh, I've been killing the props. Use some of that money. Buy Fantasy Guru. Trust me, it'll be worth it in gold. All right, so three players. I have not told you who these three players are, and then we, we're going to talk about one of them. I know which one you're not going to do. So uh, the, tr- the options are JT Real Muto, Alberto Monesi, and I wish we talked about the third one. All right, so you got two options. Which one do you want to debate? Uh, debate? Yeah, debate, um, discuss, pick one. I mean, we, we won't debate Mondesi because we're kind of on the same page with it. We're like, on the same page. So. I mean, are we on the same page with Mondesi? I mean, I, I, I mean, well, you, you I mean, you think he's like, you know, the, the, the second coming of like a blend of, you know, Ricky Henderson and. Uh, I think he's 25. Uh, I'm not willing to give it up yet. Yeah, but but what was the comment that you said? I don't know if you could say, oh. <laughs> say it publicly. I'm pretty sure that this was out there. Let me just double check. Uh, let me do a quick Google search for this. Uh, let me just double check that this is out there. Uh, no, we may be talking about different things. It's something you said about him in relation to the overall competition to NFBC overall. Oh, I mean, I think he win- I, if he has his best season, he wins. Like he's on the winning team of every format. If he has his best season, yeah, he wins. Because yeah. there's just going to be enough teams without a burner Montessi. If Montessi goes. And puts up a 275 batting average with 60 steals. He's on the main event winning team. He's on the main event winning team. Yeah. There, yep. there is very few other players you can say that with because, I mean, you could say it with Soto. I think is probably one of the reasons why because like if Soto has the 320 40 40 season, like he's probably going to be on a ton of winning teams too. Um, so like that's probably the only other player that I think that you really can make the case for because um, I think like that is his superstar ceiling if he really puts it all together. Um, yeah, I oh mean, yeah, here it is. So here, I, I'll read you the quote. I have the quote from Dylan Moore. A few minutes of the conversation, Moore asked Monesi if he'd been following the Chiefs much. Had he, had he tracked the success of the amazing athlete Patrick Mahomes? Monesi nodded. You know what type of athletic ability, don't you? Oh, I'm sorry. You know who has that type of athletic ability, don't you? Moore asked. He recalls the way Monesi smiled in response to the question. You do, Moore said. You have that type of athletic ability. You have the ability to take over a baseball game. You're one of the very best athletes who puts on a baseball uniform each and every night. Wow. I mean, he, I'm not, I'm just sign me up. If they believe in him that much, like sign me up. Like he, he's also pedigree. You know, his, his dad was a, was a pro. He, his, was a, he, he also, was, a quarantine was tough for modesty too. You have to remember his dad's in jail now too. Right. So like yeah. he's sitting there and I don't want to say he's person non grata, but it's not exactly like he's a, you know, a favorite. His dad stole millions of dollars from the. the well, town. he changes. Did he change his name? To he says no, but to not connect to that. He says no, but the timing matched. So who the hell yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but I mean, yeah. I mean, coming back from that wasn't great, and then he had a monster September, like monster September. Um, you know, definitely was a little bit of an easy schedule, but mm-hmm. I don't know when that guy gets hot, man. Whew. It's just like, good luck yeah. pitching to him. Good luck. And if you walk him, that's no good either because he'll be on third base in two pitches. Good luck. It's just, uh-huh. oh, it's so much fun. Now, when he's striking out, it definitely is like, God, why did I draft this guy? But, <laughs> God, the, the hot streak. I mean, that's the, he's one of the guys that like you just don't pay attention to the matchups and the stat. You just leave him in your lineup. Pretend there's a lock button next to him. Yeah, he's going to bat like 150 for a month, and then he'll bat 400 for a month and get you like 20. That is how he rolls. Yeah. What? That is how he rolls. That that is how he rolls. Uh, Yeah, it's just, it's the one thing I I have trouble wrapping my head around is 
you know, we, we, we try not to be super uh, too risk uh, taken, you know what I mean? Like, he, and he's, he's going really high. Like I'm seeing him now going in the teens, right? He's going like ahead of Bellinger in some cases, he's going ahead of all those, you know, uh, those pitchers. So you're, you're taking on a lot of risk and a lot of things have to go right with the, with, with, with the rest of your team. And then you can't take a shot on, you know, more risky guys like that down the line. You can't have a, a, a Buxton cheaper later on. You can't sit and wait for Wander Franco to make your roster and, and be tempted to drop them. So, you know, you, you have to be near perfect and, and very less, a lot more risk averse later in your draft. Yeah. I just, man, I just, it's tempting. I, 60 steals. Just, Oh, he's just, <laughs> he's awesome. I mean, the teens is definitely where it starts to get a little rough. Um, but, you know, maybe he goes 0 for 15 the first week of camp. He drops towards the back of the second. That's when you can get, you know, all it takes is one bad week to start spring training, and he'll drop a few spots. It's yeah. inevitable. It happens every year. And, you know, like, hypothetically, you, you like, if you can get Soto Mondesi, whew, Trout oh Mondesi, Soto Mondesi is probably a pipe dream. But if you could pull, if you could find a way to get that start, it's something with an overall. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Probably need a, an extra batting average guy just in case, but <laughs> whew, there's all the upside in the world there. So, yeah, I'm just a I'm a sucker for him. I'm going down with the ship. It, it might be uh, it might be a, you know, we might sink like the Titanic or we could be like last year where we're the Titanic and then he lifts us out of the water at the last few weeks of the season because <laughs> that's what I, it was. I just I just wanted him to, to have an all-around amazing season just to kind of, you know, uh, quiet the uh, the the, doubt, the doubters. That's all. I wanted to just be bad. I had to be honest. Like by the last two weeks of the season, I knew I was like seventeenth in the overall, and I was like, I'm probably just not gonna win. I probably can't get up there. Like just be bad, so I can just mm-hmm. buy back again. Just I'm gonna mm-hmm. buy back again. I got him like in the seventh round in some cut lines. Like I'll just buy again. I'll buy again at this price range. And as he's going off the last few weeks, and I'm rising up the board, I'm like, yeah, this is nice, but goodbye value. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, value. Uh, goodbye. It was fun. Everyone saw it. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Vlad, I, I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I'm sure I'll be sending you some updates from uh, the tag team tomorrow, and you can laugh at uh, how we do Wait, so so quick question for real. Is this a uh, – what, what's the format of this one? 15-team confined league. Uh, so it's just a confined – Draft? Um, Is it, It's not a slow draft? It's like an no, actual – No, it's live. I, I, oh, Oh, yeah. Are you guys streaming it or anything? I don't or? think so, because, like, how are you going to talk to your partner and stream at the same time? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's a little rough, but, uh, yeah. Damn. No, yeah, Dude, it's a you... fast one. It starts in one day and four hours, so. Damn. I, I wish you guys luck. Crush it. I'd, yeah. I'd like to be uh, – I'd love to be a fly in the wall in that draft. Right. And that, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a public board available at some point. Yeah. All these guys do pods. I imagine someone's going to get the board out, so. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. And it's a tag team, too, so it's not like you're really identifying with, like, any one person to pick, right? You can just mm-hmm. be like, oh, it was my partner who wanted this pick, and gives you cover, so. And it's a, fi- I mean, there's some substantial money in this, right? It's like a 500 entry. It's yeah, a, 500 entry, grand. and uh, shout out to NFBC. Uh, gave us some reduced rake as well on, on this bad boy, so uh, nice. appreciate that as well. So that's why we love them, though. Like, we'll, we're willing to do these things because, like, they're willing to work with us a little bit, too, which is always nice. Ooh. Yeah, it works for everybody all around. It does work for everybody all around. NFBC.com. I'll give them a free plug. Play, free play plug. NFBC. It's, yeah, you can go to NFBC.com. I guess. Uh, and it doesn't take you to the uh, like the National Wildlife Federation or something? Oh, shit. It is play. Play that. Wait, what the hell is it? Oh, NFC.com? 
Ah, uh, it's NFC. Okay. Right, so what is it? Play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you'll go to the Niagara Frontier Bicycle Club. <laughs> I, see, I have the site. Okay, it's playnfbc.com. They'll never sell Niagara Frontier Bicycle Club. They'll never sell. <laughs> I, next time I'm in Vegas, I'm gonna be asked, like, why did you just buy it? You really couldn't pay them off to get rid of the site? No? Oh. It will not sell, no matter what. Especially they keep getting added on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> People posting draft boards, and they're like, man, just stay in your lane. <laughs> Oh, thank God. you, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, I really man. appreciate it's, it. It was uh, a ton of fun as always. <laughs> Hope uh, we'll do guys, it again. If you, if you haven't already, follow him on Twitter at RotoGut. And his Twitter handle actually is at RotoGut this time, so I didn't screw that up at least. Uh, at RotoGut on Twitter. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, everything to the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking basketball and top shots with Ricky. Until then, see you, everybody.